Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-Game. All right, today's episode of the A-Game Podcast is with the one, the only, Mark Evans DM. This is one of our first episodes, the first 10, I think it was actually episode number eight. I was so scared to ask Mark to do the podcast. He was awesome, totally cool, uh, agreed to come on, definitely. Uh, I was punching above my weight, so he did me a favor by coming on, but he really dropped a lot of knowledge on there, and uh, I was nervous. You could tell, is again, some of these earlier episodes, I... Wasn't as good with the questioning, just not as easy to roll with, not as sharp, not as polished. The quality wasn't as good. I just, uh, I look back at how green it was and look back at how silly that looks now. But, uh, you know, hopefully I'll get him back on. And again, we had a great conversation. I've been in touch with him since. He's an awesome guy. He's absolutely been taking over the world since then. He's probably one of the most shouted out guys on this podcast. When people talk about the groups they're in or the people they've helped them with the books they recommend, they are constantly recommending Mark Evans' DM family, Mark Evans' books, Mark Evans' courses. So he's been cool. He's a really straight shooter, uh, no BS guy, gives you a lot of tough love, tells you how it is, doesn't sugarcoat stuff. And, you know, I just like it. I appreciate it. He's a breath of fresh air. He's a good dude. Um, he's got a great following and he's just doing amazing things. So if you are not familiar with Mark Evans, this is a great way to get introduced to him, and there will be no shortage of ways to connect with Mark through his website, through his books, through his podcast, through his courses, through his e-com businesses, and all that stuff. So check out the show notes, look him up, and while you're there, go to nicknicknick.com slash links for all the ways to connect with me on social media. And this episode is sponsored by Nationwide Business Capital Group. If you need money for your deals, email Marianne directly from our affiliates link on that site and tell the A-Game Podcast sent you. She will get you some money, and then text me. If you want to start doing some deals, whether it's buy properties from me, sell properties to me, or partner, or just figure out where we can start to work together, you're not even sure yet, text me at 516-540-5733. If you have reached out in the past and have not responded, please text me. I will respond. Uh, Some of these have gotten lost in the shuffle, so this is my new way to make sure that I don't miss any of the people trying to connect with me and do some good business. So I appreciate everybody. I hope you had a great holiday. I hope you're starting this week out strong, getting ready for New Year's. Mark Evans, thank you for coming on. Definitely check out the episode check out Mark and we have a great week coming up. So thank you. Everybody have a great day. I really can't thank you enough for, for getting on, man. Like I said, uh, I just met you uh, about a week ago in Cleveland at Tim Bratz event, commercial empire, but I had heard your name. I don't even know how I got it, but your drip comes in all the time. And I'm always reading the stuff that comes in about what you're doing and the events you're putting on. And it seems like everywhere I go, anybody I'm meeting that's bringing up any type of uh, masterminds or, or mentors or, just organizations or people that they've learned from your, your name just comes up from everybody. And every time I'm impressed with anybody, they're saying that the person that they're impressed with is you. And then when you popped up there, I was like, like, Holy crap, that's, that's, that's the guy. And, uh, I was blown away. Like a, a couple of things that really st- stuck out to me is I, I've been doing real estate for a long time, but I've been doing everything myself. So it's been very hard for me as, as I, I think you saw a lot of the questions when you had your panel on people that were, having a lot of trouble giving up control. And I remember when the, uh, one of the posts I saw you have a, a couple of weeks ago was like, yeah, here's my schedule for the next four months, like March off, July off, June off. And it was just off, off, off. And it seems like you really have uh, something that most people don't, which I was reading on a lot of your bios and stuff, how 
a lot of people can build real estate empires, can build wealth, but then they don't have any time to enjoy it. And you literally epitomize the, the stuff you're saying all makes sense, but your energy is awesome, man. Like you just l really come off as you just, you're just cool. You're so approachable and easy and you don't come off like a guy who has this eight figure business that's constantly has to be on the phone and distracted, taking texts and running a business. And that, that's really, really impressive to me because I think on the level of a lot of the investors that I see that are doing well financially or at, that's now the point that they're missing is being able to step back and give up that control. And even now, like I had to be very conscious of like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to peel off some time. I have to make sure like all the other stuff goes on hold. Cause I'm always getting calls and text messages and emails and you didn't right. check your phone or your emails or anything. And you didn't look like you were worried about anything that was going on. You were just totally in the moment. And, uh, I really, really strive to be there. And I know a lot of other people do. And I was just very impressed with that, man. So I wanted to get on it and just see if you could share some stuff. Cause again, I started out wanting to do this as a real estate podcast. And then I kind of realized that everybody I knew was basically just circling the same real estate stuff. Whereas I know a lot of people that are just doing different stuff like TV stuff, uh, UFC fighters. And I just like talking to people that find ways to figure out how to find that balance and, you know, chase down dreams, but it, not, not quit when things get tough, which is where I feel like a lot of people just assume, oh, this guy was born on third and it's just easy for everybody. And I just see all this great Facebook posts, but like they don't see all the other stuff that goes into it and getting around that. And I'm sure re after reading your bio, everything hasn't been rainbows and sunshines the whole way, but you push through it and you're, you're where you are because you earned the right to be there. And um, I just like getting the backstory, kind of how you got there and some tips you can get for people that no, man, listen, I appreciate you having me. I think at the end of the day, you know, a quick backstory about who I, I grew up in small town, Ohio. I was laying in bed thinking about how do I make a hundred grand a year. And uh, the way I thought is I got to make 25 bucks an hour, work 80 hours a week, 52 weeks a year, and I'll hit 104 grand a year. That was my number. That truly was how my path of how I thought you had to make a hundred thousand dollars a year. Two things with that. One, I didn't know anybody made a hundred grand and two, I didn't know anybody made 25 bucks an hour. So I was figuring out, okay, great. How do I, as an 18-year-old kid, try to create that kind of money? And I've always done construction. I grew up in a construction background. My dad, my uncles, my everyone I know did construction of some sort. So, you know, I'd go bid a job and it'd be eight hours. So I'd say, there's my 25 bucks an hour, 200 bucks plus material, blah. And, uh, you know, it's awesome. I was all about working. I still am about working on the right stuff now. Because if, if, you know, working hard made you rich financially, you know, servers, you know, coal miners, these guys should have more money than everybody if that was the case. Unfortunately, that's not how it is. So I had a big epiphany as I was developing and growing. One, realizing I only have 24 hours a day and, you know, I don't mind working 80 hours a week, but I'm not looking to do it forever. And I was cool with it. I did it for a while. I did it for a long time and I had fun doing it. I think a lot of guys get into the game and, you know, they, they, it just doesn't end. It's very fulfilling for guys like us. Uh, we love doing what we do and, you know, we get a kick out of putting deals together and making the move. So I, I nearly went bankrupt twice doing that <laughs> in my early years. I've been doing investing now since uh, I've owned my, I've personally never had a real job with anybody. Um, even though now I have a job cause I have employees. So I gotta, they were, I work for them. They don't work for me really is how I look at it. That's a whole story. But I realized like, as I was growing, like what I liked, what I didn't like unique ability, not unique ability this feels good, this feels bad, and just really stop, you know, put the blinders on and started understanding 
I'd go to all these real estate events. Everyone's saying the same thing. They have the same problems. They have the same thing. Really what it comes down to is they were talking about surface level stuff, not the root cause. The root cause is leadership skills. And that's where all of everyone, I've had the privilege to talk to a lot, a lot of good guys. And they're, they're very good tactical. They understand real estate up and down, but they don't know how to build a real business. And that's leadership. And so I started investing a lot of time and money in learning how to be a better leader, how to let go of the vine. This stuff's easier said than done, right? So I had to really learn about what I was good at, what I wanted to do, what I didn't want to do, and start hiring people one at a time, firing a lot of people. And uh, now, honestly, I'm not really involved in the day-to-days, and I haven't been for many years in the real estate company, nor my media company. I have a pretty, my media company is about to outpace my real estate company, which is pretty cool. And, and that's only in a four-year time frame, what took me 22 years to build on the real estate side. So it's a kind of a cool thing to see. And, um, but I've developed differently. You know, I've developed, so now I know how to do it quicker. So hopefully that helps a little bit, give a little bit of backstory to this. You started when you were 19, right? Was that with the- 18 years. 18, two days after high school. I feel like people have, you know, everybody feels that, but what was the difference between you really going after it and saying, I'm going to go down this path and start to chase stuff versus just, you know, hey, it's something I'll just do eventually down the road, but I'm going to start here, you know, because you attacked it young. And everybody I talk to that, oh, I'll do it later. I go, when you finally make the choice, you're not going to regret that you waited. You're always going to say, I, I wish I just would have started when I was 18, 19 years old. But, but you did, and most people don't. Well, again, I've never heard anybody say, I wish I would have started later. I've never met one person out of thousands, tens of thousands of people. And then secondly, you know, I, I knew I would never go to college. I barely graduated high school. I've never been normal. I've never really wanted to be in that. I, I never like people telling me what to do. I'll make myself work harder. I'll do more. I'll grind harder. I, I'm okay to kill my, you know, if I don't eat, it's because I didn't kill it. <laughs> so, you know, I've never thought, of, I, I swear to you, I've never thought about getting a job. I've never thought about college. Um, I'm not talking bad about it. It's just not who I was. And I was always hustling stuff as a young kid, mowing lawns, paying people to do it. I was out getting the jobs, hiring people to help me do them, and I keep half the money. So I was trying to figure out how to expand my time, you know. And uh, at the end of the day, man, for me, it's like, again, not everyone is cut out for this, though, you know. I think sometimes people think it's easy, and it is easy now. (laughs) But there still are hard moments. There still are very difficult decisions that you have to make. Um, and that's what we're really talking about is high level decision making. That's what I'm good at now is really seeing the problem, analyzing it quickly and making a decision where a lot of people get stuck. As you know, Nick, they get stuck in procrastination in the middle. Nothing happens good in the middle, you know, except anxiety, stress, overwhelm, filling, um, and all that. <laughs> oh, awesome, man. I, I agree with that completely. And, uh, you know, I think over the last year that that's really been a big thing that I'm, I'm noticing more is there's people that probably, like you said, technically know less about real estate than I do on the day to day, but they're doing better than me. And it's because of that exact thing of, I'm not building real estate, I'm building a business. And, and that's really where I see the guys like you and Lee Kearney and Tim Bratz and a lot of these guys are making that difference is it's not about the day to day stuff. It's about building the business from the ground up and really making sure those fundamentals are tight. And uh, one of the things that you touched on that I think is, is super important is even on the the days that you have the tough days, you have to make those decisions. And what do you do? Did, did you get to that point of, you know, kind of wanting to put your head in the sand sometimes when all oh, this might not be bad news. I don't want to check this text. I don't want to take this email. I don't want to take this phone call. Or have you always just had that personality of I'd rather get the bad news right now and just deal with it? 
dude, just hit it and move on. It's going to be there no matter what. You know, first of all, if you know there's something bad and you try, you avoid it, first of all, you're not avoiding it because it's weighing on you heavy and it's affecting other stuff as you try to grow. And depending on what the situation is, it could be real heavy, could affect you very long term. It could create, you know, processes that it, like it literally could crush you internally. You know, I don't care about the business. Side, I care about more about the individual because if the individual is strong, the business will be strong. But when you know there's something lingering at a high level, it could be bad. Like you do just knock it, get, get it off the plate. And no, I, this is a true story. I always say, I've never read a book that everyone had everything handed to them. So every time something crazy happens, it happens all the time. I always say, that's going to be a great chapter one day in a book. And I hit it, look at the positive in it. What did I learn? What can I do more? This is all quick stuff now. But like, you know, how can I get better? How can I not avoid it? But how can I minimize it? But Biggie says it best, more money, more problems, right? It's part of the game. Part of the game. You know, if you're not worried about having problems, like, you're, you, first of all, if you don't think you have problems, you have a lot of problems. You know, like, that's where I think people get in trouble. There's problems everywhere. But how do you see it? Do you see it as an opportunity or an obstacle? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I don't care what the business is. I tell everybody, you know, when I teach students for the real estate side of it, well, what about this? What about the... I go, do you have problems at your normal job? You're not even the boss there and you have problems. You still can't stand your employees. I don't care what business it is. Like any business is going to have obstacles, going to have challenges. It's just a matter of what are you going to do to get through those? And are, are you going to let those stop you? And that's why I like, you know, and I, I heard, I think it was you who said it, uh, how you do the small things is how you do the big things. I say the same stuff of how you do anything is how you do everything. And a lot of my buddies that are like pro fighter guys that started getting into, into real estate and building businesses, they do outstanding because it's the same stuff of when they're getting put in bad positions every day on the mat or getting hit with shots, they're not going, okay, I'm getting out of here. There's right. the common going, how do I find a way out of this position? How do I get on top? And I feel that's just the same way you handle anything in your business. And you know, if you, you keep doing that, you let the, the days go by, the good's eventually going to outweigh the bad. But most people I feel like don't really want to put that fight in or, fit or make those decisions because, you know, and that was, like a, another huge thing that I can't believe how important just being a decision maker is that people never really accent it or, or teach you or, or focus on. And it really, the more I'm seeing people that can't make decisions, even successful people who sit back and go, well, what do you want to do? Just so that way they can say, I was never on the hook for making that bad decision. But if you make it and it's bad, I'm going to be the first one pointing it out. And, you know, I, I had to get to the point of that's just them. And I have to make the decision for me. And if, I, if they judge me for it, cool. They weren't strong enough to make that decision anyway. But I think just a lot of like the insecurities of, of just general life that everybody has hold people back from going after it and doing stuff. Even like you, what I, funny story, but I was texting my partner while I was listening to you talk and she was uh, on her way to the airport. And I was like, man, you, you got to hear this stuff. I feel like he's talking to me, you know, every single word coming out of his mouth. And she was like, you should definitely ask him to be on your podcast. I go, no, no, no. He would never want to do that. She was like, ask him. And I was like, no. And she said, go ask him. So I was like, hey. And you were like, of course, definitely. Like, how's this week? And she was like, see? And I was like, yeah, you know, like if I wouldn't have asked because I would have gotten my own head, I would have never had this conversation with you. So, you know, I just Absolutely. always try and think of stuff like that. Uh, you obviously don't seem like a guy who's afraid of taking risks, but you also seem, um, you have um, masterminds and stuff like that too now that you're helping a lot of other people as well, right? Yeah, I mean, I have a small mastermind called the Dealmaker Family. There's only like 27, 28 guys in it. 
will never be bigger than 33. I'm more, I, this is not a profit producing business for me. I know a lot of guys have models where they have a mastermind and produce a lot of revenue and they have a great life doing nothing or, or, or something just different. Um, it's more of a, I love it, man. I, I, these are my brothers that, are, you know, it's like a brotherhood back in the day when a client, cause I used to teach beginners when those guys would call me, I'm like, Oh shit, I don't answer this phone. Here we go. Because I know I'm, I'm never talking about real estate, dude. I'm their psychiatrist. You know, I'm talking them off the ledge. They're never getting their work done. I want to work with productive people. I want people that want to do stuff. You know, for me, it's uh, the mastermind stuff is passion driven. It creates a lot of amazing momentum. We do a lot of cool stuff with charity. Um, we've been able to really elevate people. Actually, a buddy of mine right now raised on an event. He's raised $60,000. They've adopted four children. I adopted a child through this plan with him um, to be able to pay for them, you know, sex trafficking and child um, in Mexico, which is insane to even think that's even real, but it is. Um, so, you know, being a part of the DM family, he was able to kind of get the courage, the confidence, because I do lead by that. I there's a lot of donations and charity stuff I do behind the scenes I never talk about because it's something I truly believe in. I, you know, my goal in life is to give away over $100 million to charities that I care about that I want to drive. Actually, I want to do it in 20 years, not my life. Um, so, and I've given away a lot. I've got a lot of cool stuff on the plans. And my wife and I were having that conversation. She's like, how are we going to do that? What are you talking about? You've already given tons away. I'm like, I know, but like, I think we could give so much more. And uh, I know we can. It's just, what does it look like? Let's say if I do say 100 and we hit 80, I mean, at the end of the day, it's better than saying I want to give five away and give not, you know, three away. So um, I truly, one, do believe I can give $100 million away minimum. Um, I want to, you know, th these are things that like the dealmaker family and stuff like that really, I think, can make a big impact in the world. Um, so like kind of where I'm at in my life is really making an impact, man, honestly. You know, with people like, you know, your audience, you, anybody I can. I do that. I, I love this shit. Like I, I, I get excited about it, man. Cause I know it's someone listening. Like you said, I'm talking directly to you. You know, it's because we know like everyone else is BSing you to sell you a course or BS. I have nothing to sell except the dream that this is real. And if you believe it, cause I do, I know it is cause I live it. It's just a matter of you stepping outside of your comfort zone and getting on being comfortable, you know, being uncomfortable. <laughs> so how do you do that? And you got, you just got to start surrounding yourself around guys like you and I, and just start talking about it and growing and pushing and getting scared. And if you ain't dry heaving, you're not doing enough. <clears throat> There's a lot of dry heaving moments in this time frame. Yeah. It's awesome, man. And, and I saw the thing on the website about giving away houses to veterans and stuff. And I just, that's amazing, man. All, all that stuff is really what it's about at the end of the day. And I, I really, I, I think that's a big deal. And I thank you for it. And I know a lot of people hear about what you're doing and, I think it's sad that they don't know that there's people like you out there. You know, people just don't realize that, you know, again, they think money's a bad thing. And, you know, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts and people are upset about, well, this guy made this and he wants to cut his taxes. And then you have people like you. That's really what I like to focus on. And, and instead of looking for all the bad in there, I've been trying to just spend the last year finding guys like you and Tim and people that are out there because I feel like that that's really the kind of stuff where you know, what, 36 years of my life, and you don't even know that there's people that don't live like you live out there, and I was even getting text messages from basic stuff from people that listened to their first couple of podcasts of like, wow, like I just, I never even knew that there was people out there that, that think like that, and act like that, and work like that, and go after that, and it just inspires people to go do something different, man, and uh, you definitely inspired me, and and the short stuff you were saying, even just there in five or ten minutes, I was like, man, I'm gonna go home, and I did this whole board when I got home, and I started 
like just piecing away and trying to reshape my business, man, it was awesome. Like your, your words are very powerful and you, you really have a good way of getting across it. And again, making people feel like you're talking directly to them and making them feel like it's something they can do, man. And that's, that's something that not everybody can. So I appreciate it. Well, yeah, I appreciate that. I think, well, first of all, I feel like I'm not good at it, but that's awesome. <laughs> and that. So, because again, right guys like you and I, we always want to improve. Dude, Floyd Mayweather's in the ring right now trying to figure out how to get tighter, sharper with his punches or whatever. I mean, that's what we do. And the truth is, you know, I am humble, but I'm not that modest. I have big houses, big cars, big goal. You know, like, so there's a difference in separation. So sometimes people are like, dude, you're so, so humble and modest. I'm like, oh, I, you, know, you know, a different person if you think I'm modest. I mean, I like nice things, but I know oh, it's not taking away from things. It's actually adding value. You know, I have a pretty cool, I have a Rolls and I've had one for a long time. I go to a gas station, people are like, oh my God, won't you give that money to someone else and give it away? Why are you showing off? And again, I just laugh. I'm like, listen, first of all, there's a lot of people paying for their children's education with this Rolls Royce, right? You got the people that build it, you got the salesmen, all this stuff. So, you know, and not only that, why are you, why are you even talking to me in a brand new Lexus? You know, they're pissed off at themselves, not me. And, you know, if, if it's that serious, why isn't everyone walking? you know, if they really believe that. So everyone can talk stuff. But again, at the end of the day, what I've really realized a long time ago, people that talk smack like that are talking about themselves and their insecurities has nothing to do with me, right? So when you're saying people are saying all this now, I personally don't really hear any of it because I surround myself around the Thames. You know, my, all my buddies, like we're talking about like, yo, how do we make a lot of money? With When that's said, you know, out of context, it might sound like we're being greedy trying to make money. But behind the scenes, if they knew our core values and what we believe in and what we're really doing, they would realize that everything is in alignment with the more we make, the more we give, the more we make, the more we hire, which gives for more families, the more we make, the more we can clean up in the neighborhood and do more and just be better leaders, better people all the way around. So money, if you think money's a bad thing, it's going to be pretty tough to get any money in your life. That's for sure. So I know a lot, I've known a lot of people, I kicked them out of my life that think money's bad. But guess who they always call when they need money? <laughs> so, you know, it's always funny how that works. Yeah. On the people you deal with, what do you, are you seeing um, uh, a, a very similar thing that most people that you're coming across, this is where they're struggling or this is where, you know, just common mm -hmm. themes of like, hey, Mark, this is how I'm having trouble getting my business off or my business is doing well, but this is how I'm trouble, having trouble getting even any control or taking it to the next level. Like, what are some of the things you're seeing either A, from people that are starting out or from people that are trying to level up on their business that, you know, just run the mill stuff that seems to be coming up over and over again that most people are dealing with. Yeah, man. Listen, I, at the beginning stages, early 2000, I trained thousands of people in the beginning. I really never enjoyed it, to be honest with you. I started to like it. That's why I got into it. But I realized that, you know, the problem is not real estate. The problem is their mindset. The problem are their actions or lack of. Their problem is their excuse making. They, they have more, if they worked as hard as they did in the business as they would their excuses, they'd be rich. So for me, I, I had an, a long time ago, this is early two, mid 2000s. I said, I'm not teaching newbies anymore. I don't, I don't have the capacity or the mental power. My problem is, and it's not a negative thing. I'm just so far up here. The decisions we're making are so big and it's just, and then they're like, how do I, how do I get a deal? Call people. Well, what do I say? Call people. Well, how many people call people? Like, that's the answer. Get on the phone and make calls, have conversations. There's no other answer. Like, product, real estate, need to sell, get a good deal, make more calls, sell the property, move on, make money. Like, 
everything else can get solved. So what I've, I realized I wrote down in my thing a long time ago is I want to make an impact in the world. And I could either try to work really hard to help 100,000 people and maybe only 2% actually do anything. And then those 2% actually do a little bit or, and, and me be frustrated and not love my life or, or go to the 2% that are already doing something and show them how to grow thousands of percentages to then their impact becomes so much more magnified. So for me, it was more of like my, what I, my unique ability was I understood what they're dealing with on growth spurts or problems of not growing. And it's all, again, it's mental, but they're not afraid to take action. They just don't know what actions to take. They don't even know. Cause again, as you know, entrepreneurs are very delusionally optimistic, right? We're very delusional. Like one minute we're like, yo, man, you're hanging out with your boys. You're like, dude, I'm crushing it. Then you shut the door. You're like, oh my God, how am I going to pay this electric bill? <laughs> you know? So yes, you're crushing it. But what does that mean? People throw words around like it means something. Crushing what? You know, I, I, I'm killing the game. One deal a month is not killing the game. You know, and, and if you have to do all this stuff. So for me, it's really one, put them in the reality check. Not in a negative way, but like, hey, where are you really at? Where do you really want to go? No, where do you really, really want to go? Because right, sometimes they like lower it because it's like makes them, you know, a little bit safe. It's their safeguard. I want to make ten million a year, okay. But if I really didn't have a goal, twenty-five million a year or whatever the numbers would be. So now it's like now we start looking at this thing differently, you know. So like if a guy comes to me, I don't know, and says, "Mark, I'm doing two deals a month. How do I get to four? I'm like, I don't know the answer to that. But the way to go from two to ten is this. And when you start thinking from two to ten, you have to become a bigger person. You have to do more. You have to do more strategic thinking and implementation. It's not like one plus one plus one. It's more like two times five. You know. So I'm looking to expedite that, and your your profits will shrink a little bit because you're hiring staff. You're gonna have a little bit more overhead. You're gonna have some leakage, right? Because you got to train the staff, not just hire them. You got to fire. I mean, different resources and times are gonna get changed. So for me, guys and gals that are in the mid to like maybe you know so well dude Tim Bratz was a solopreneur when he came and I met him and you know he had to hire an assistant and before you know it four years later the guy has what two three thousand units so it's not because of me it's because of who he actually did he, he's that he's a prime prospect of what I look for a hard worker loves his family loves to give back wants to do more in life just doesn't know the exact path willing to know that he doesn't know everything and more importantly willing to do the work and that's what's so awesome about guys like that. You know, it's just amazing. That's awesome, man. And that, you know, that sums up myself and that sums up the people that I'm trying to spend more time around. It's like you said, I've been trying to do a lot of cleaning house. Like a lot of you guys are saying a lot of the stuff that Tim is saying. And that exact thing, I was, I was having a conversation last night with my buddy Aljo, who's a UFC fighter, but also doing real estate. And it was the same type of stuff that he started doing a podcast and he was like, yeah, I might want to start bringing on partners. And I was like, look, man, like I'm anytime I want to do something new, I'm like, nobody has the work ethic that I'm trying to bring on and, and they're not holding their weight. And it winds up ruining something that was supposed to be a good thing. And I said, you're, you're seeing that because the guys that you surround yourself with at the gym every day, they're all going to be world champions. But it's very rare that the 10 people that you're hanging around in your day-to-day -day life all have those same hard work and values and, and self-accountability where I feel like most people don't. They just see... Mark has four months off. I want that. I deserve that. But they don't really want to put the work in for that stuff. And, you know, again, I, I'm, I'm trying to learn a lot of those things that you said for building businesses. But one of the things that stuck out was hiring and firing. So I think 
a lot of stuff that, that comes through is like, okay, well, if I hire somebody, it's going to cost me more. And if I hire two people, it's going to cost me twice as much. And then I have to put the time in to train them. So how did you transition from doing that, that solopreneurship into really having those? And what were some of the stresses of it? Because, you know, I'm dealing with a lot of the people that I'm bringing on. And, you know, again, I'm just learning that most people don't care about my business as much as I do. So I'm seeing quicker now. These are the signs of what I don't want. So instead of me kidding myself that this is going to change in nine months, I'd rather just fire you today and find somebody better. And one of the things I always say is I've never regretted firing anybody, but I cannot count the times that I've regretted not firing them sooner. I'm always, it's like a band that you always pull it off. You're like, oh, that sucked for a second, but I'm so happy. I feel so much better I did that. So um, what are some, some things you've learned over the years for just getting better at that? Well, number one, no one will care about your business like you do, nor should they. It's not their responsibility. It's not their duty. They should be caring about themselves, their family, their purpose, their goals. Our jobs as leaders is to give them the goal to be able to become a visionary inside of our company or a higher level leader inside of our company. My job is simply to create leaders on leaders, right? So get that out of the way. The second thing is I've never been a solopreneur. I've always had people that work for me. I've always understood that they're not a cost, they're an investment. And if you look at this wrong, you can drive yourself nuts, but say if someone's salary is 40 grand a year, and you look at that as a $3,500, $3,600 a month expense, to me, I don't see it as an expense. If I invest $3,600 a month, I'm buying 160 hours a week, a month from you. So I'm getting 160 hours minimum worth of work from you. My job is to give you the places, the tools, the strategy, whatever I need to do to make that 160 hours an investment. Multiply that by however many. So initially, in the beginning, it might not be that much, but I can assure you, if you stay persistent, patient, consistent with this individual or multiple individuals, these people, you're paying 40 grand, getting 400 grand back. So is it a cost or is it an expense? And, and again, there's going to be hiccups. There's going to be fires. There's going to be people steal from you. The more you hire, the more this is more profitable, that this is going to happen. But us as a leader is constantly learning. Oops, don't do that. That doesn't feel good. Oops, don't, don't put them there. That's not the right seat, right bus. But like, just be, I talked about this at the thing is, I think us as entrepreneurs, we try to showboat when we're trying to hire, like, I am a professional investor. This is like, blah, blah, blah. As opposed to like saying, hey, listen, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm crazy. I need help. Can you help me? This is what I'm looking for help in. Let them, like, obviously, you know what you want, but also I only know what I want with the limited information I have in that space. And then we'll all say, well, no one will do it as ever as good as us. Truth is, most of, most of the entrepreneurs I know aren't even doing the work that they need to do all the time. So therefore, yes, someone doing it 20% of the time would be 20% better than you're doing. But let's just say if they did 50, 60, 70% as good as you, you're still buying 160 hours of time back in your life that was taking you to do that work because that someone's got to do the work. So for me, it's like just hire, learn, fire, learn, like constantly hiring is easy. Managing the day-to-days for me is the hardest part in our company. And I know that. So I hire self managers to lay over them, to manage them on day-to-day. I don't show up daily. I don't do calls daily. I'm not going to follow up consistently. I'm not a planner. I don't plan, you know, I, like kind of like you and I, it's like, yo, let's do it next week. Let's do it. Like, I'm not thinking months in advance. I'm thinking, hey, I got time. Let's just do it now. Like I'm all about now, now, now. So as you're hiring these people, salespeople, you know, assistants, that's the first hire always, the assistant, and then these other layers, 
there will, you know, try to keep it as minimal of complexity as possible. But also, I think it starts with the leader to let them know, I don't know everything. I need your help. I want, I want, I want you to help build this with me. Will you help me? And people are pretty good natured. They want to say yes and help people. Like, they like it. As opposed to act like you're our corporate meet them at a Starbucks, which those people off instantly. And then you throw them in a one-room office in your house, which is super creepy initially, right? <laughs> if you think they're coming to a corporate job, to a Starbucks, to your house, like it starts getting weird. And there's nothing wrong. It's like, listen, I'm a solopreneur. I can work from anywhere in the world. I need your help. I work out of my house. I'd love for you to be at my house two or three times a, a week. Not like that. I'm, you know, blah, 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 whatever. And then they kind of like, okay, cool. I get that. You know, but there's a social aspect to this when you're hired. Whoever you hire this individual, they're going to tell their friends they're working for someone. And if they're like, yo, this guy has me working at his house three days a week, they're like, oh, be careful. That's weird. You know what? So they have that social weirdness, you know, that they, they have to deal with. But I truly believe most people are pretty good people if they have the right direction, the right vision, and the right tools to be successful. That's awesome, man. Very well said. I, I literally took your exact advice, and as soon as I went home, I, I was texting my assistant while we were talking, while you were up there talking, and I was like, hey, I, I want to meet with you as soon as I get back. So I met her first thing on like Friday morning or Thursday morning when I got back, and uh, the first thing I said was what you said of, hey, look, I need you to help me be better. Like, I don't know it all. That's why I brought you on, which I thought was really important of don't position it that I know everything. Use the people that you hire to help you be better, and that was the first thing. As I said, look, look, you're way overqualified to be my assistant, but she's looking for a better quality of life, which I was able to give her. So I said, like, you're an expert at putting processes and things together. So now that you see what I'm doing, I'm not going to be offended if you tell me everything I have here looks like it was made by a six-year-old. So scrap it and let's rebuild it. Like, I'm cool with that. That's what I want. Give me that feedback of this doesn't work or this is stupid or I don't know why the heck you did this because I need you to help me be better because, you know, and that, that is a big thing of just getting your ego out of the way and saying, it's not about me. It's about the, the overall big picture of how do I, how do I work better by helping you work better? And it's going to help everybody work better. And I agree with that, man. I, I've never, I've never ever come from a place of ego, especially being somebody who, you know, box and does jujitsu on any given day for three minutes. I do awesome. I feel like the king of the world. Then the bell rings and they go, okay, switch. And then the next person comes over and just makes me feel like a, a two year old girl, you know? So it's always, there's always somebody better. There's always somebody worse. And I'm, I've seen so many businesses over the last few years since I've been trying to really focus on that, be torn apart by ego, be completely being led by ego and people not wanting to say they don't know everything or wanting to listen to anybody else. And also by things like you're saying of, they have these little holes in their business, little holes in their boat. And instead of saying, I'm going to fix these right, right from the beginning, they go, well, we'll just keep going and worry about it later. And now the whole thing's sinking and you can't fix it. So, you know, those business foundations are, are what I'm trying to learn more of, of, of how do I make sure that I do this right? And I'd rather do it a little bit slow and backtrack first by hiring people and getting these processes down because I know then I can kind of take off. So um, what are your, your thoughts on some, some pitfalls to look out from when you're first really starting to get those new hires or, or take it from two to 20 or 20 to 40 or whatever that scaling up is? Yeah, man, I just think knowledge up on leadership um, and all that stuff. So like a big thing, like, you know, I never, I, I talk about this once in a while, but like, you know, I had a lady at work for me. She was amazing. Her name was Vanessa, but I mulled her out. She worked for me for six or seven years. I gave her more work. I tried to pay her less all the time, but that's how I grew up, you know, like get more for less. 
That was my mentality. That's how I was raised. Um, it's not a bad thing. It's just how I was raised. So when I was bringing people on the team, that's how I was like bringing them in the structure. How can I get this person to make me a hundred grand a month and pay them a thousand dollars a month? That's kind of what I would think or get them for as cheap as possible. So I had an epiphany when I realized that how do you, you start asking a different question? How do I pay people more money than they've ever made? How do I pay people give them more opportunity than they've ever had? How do I not micromanage them? How do I let them live in their unique ability to help my unique ability and enhance each other so we're not competing against each other or, or not, you know, like collaborating, if you will, together? And I started thinking about that. And now, like today, like, dude, like I know everything. I, I know a lot about my, all my teams. I know what their goals are in business. I know what their goals are in life. You know, I want to help them make their goals a, you know, a reality. So I take an interest, a genuine interest in people. So I think, one, if you're trying to hire more, hire within. It's always the easiest. Hire a third-party company to go find you people, right? Having a good job description is always key. Like, what is this person going to do for you? That's probably a good start. Um, and, you know, how, what's it going to look like? How do you manage them? How do you pay them? When do they get paid? How much, you know, like, can you pay them more? Is this, is this person and like a, like on one of my other companies, a media company, like we hired this person very high salary quickly, like out of the gate, more money than we were paying anybody else in the company, but yet we saw the value in the individual because they, you know, I didn't have a six-month training process of teaching them what we do. They kind of were already in that industry, so it was a perfect thing, and it stretches you, right? You're always stretching, but I knew I do know a lot of guys are always trying to skimp on things and. Oh, dude, how do I save a dollar twenty-five on my electric bill or seventeen bucks on my cell phone bill, as opposed to exhausting all that energy on saying, "How can I pay people more money to help me make more money?" You know, it really is a mindset shift, dude. And it sounds so simple, and it, it is simple once you realize it. But to go through the process to really pull the trigger and do it, it's a different animal. Agree, man. That's awesome. So an another thing that I think is really impressive is people that I meet on a daily basis. They always start out going. Like, well, I don't understand how you invest if you live in New York and you have a property in, in Chicago or you live in Chicago, you have a property in California and they don't mm -hmm. understand doing business virtually. And then your thing was like, I'm on other continents and I'm closing deals in places that I've never been. So was that, did you start out doing stuff virtually or? Yeah, no, it's a great question. So first and foremost, virtual to me doesn't mean doing business from afar. Virtual to me is being a business owner. So like if you buy a bottle of water, if you buy smart water in New York or smart water in Kansas City or smart water in California, it's coming from a location that's being dispatched out and distributed in those environments. So, and secondly, the internet in this virtual world didn't exist when I started in 96. You know, my first virtual deal I ever did was in 19, uh, in 2005. And it wasn't even when I, and again, it was me like really discovering like, oh my God, I could make money. I was down the street at this bar called Roosters eating wings and drinking beer. I had a closing at the title company and I, his name was uh, Vic. I was like, yo, how can, uh, excuse me, Ted. I was like, Ted, how can you get Vic to sign the paperwork without me being there? He's like, I don't know. I was like, well, you own the title company, figure it out. I literally was only two blocks away. I could have walked there to sign it, but I was just frustrated. I'm like, there's gotta be a better way to grow what I want without me being present in the moment. And I'd always make excuses. Well, being at title companies, you get to have good conversations. You can get referrals and blah, blah, blah. Well, I trust, trust me, you can do that from afar and actually probably better. 
So like I was sitting at this place, Ted calls me on my cell phone. He's like, Mark, I think we figured out we're going to get it closed up. Um, do you want to stop in and get a check? I was like, absolutely not. Keep in mind, my office was in his office building. I was right above him. And I was like, absolutely not. I was like, can you send me a wire? He's like, sure. We don't do a whole lot of wires over here, but I'd love to send you a wire. We pay the wire fee. I was like, absolutely. It's like 50 bucks. I was like, sure. So I pay the $50 wire fee. I don't skip a beat. I keep drinking. I should have went because I was probably three or four beers deep already at that point. <laughs> had some chicken wings, but it literally was a deal. The guy lived in California. The buyer lived four hours away. The property was two hours away. The title company was right there in my backyard, like literally in my yard. I was like, oh my God, if I could do this, this is mid 2005. I was like, if I could do this once, could I do it again? Right. So I started really learning how to be virtual. You know, never, I haven't been to a closing title. I haven't been to a property or closing that I've bought or owned since uh, December 31st, 2005. Nice. <laughs> you know, because it's a team, it's a structure, right? You have the house, we find the opportunities. And then you have the people go look at the properties. Those are called inspectors, not maybe like the inspectors. Most people think you pay 400 per property, but somebody you hire for 50 to hundred bucks to take a lot of pictures, show up, you know, do all that stuff. So my team's in Florida. All of our deals are in Columbus, Ohio and Cleveland, Ohio. And that's what they do. It's a process. It's a procedure, very controlled environment. And uh, not to say there's not some hiccups and not to say you couldn't do some extra deals once in a while. But again, I want the business to work for me not me work for the business, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I, I, I definitely value that info. What's the, um, as far as markets, I know you said you're in two markets. Are you, are you branching out or like what's your, your focus on? Did you say, hey, we're, we're going to start with one market, then move to two? Or did you have five markets you were initially looking at? And what, what's your strategy for just, you know, figuring out where you're going to centralize your business? And when are you going to start to, to, what are you looking at as far as the, the shift on the market and how that's going to affect your business model? Yeah, no, man, I've, I've been in this long enough. I've rode the wave, so I understand what's happening. I see it a mile away. I love it. I'm excited. Um, and I, I made a lot, a lot of money. I made more money when the market crashed back in 08, 09, 2010 than I have. I mean, you know, it's a stair. You got to take the stairs up and an elevator down, right, on any market crash. So it's very exciting. Um, some people are going to get hurt, a lot of people. And I see a lot of people online like, oh, yeah, I made 80000 on this, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, that's great. But when hot, mar hot markets make everyone look smart. And I do know there's going to be a lot of people learn a lot of hard lessons in this market shift. They're already starting to happen, by the way, depending on what market. But for me, I'm not that smart. So I, I've, I grew up in Columbus, near Columbus. So that's always been my market. And I live in Shaker Heights, Ohio, part-time. So that's Cleveland, Ohio area. So it's kind of just like I always liked the Midwest marketplace just because it's a good volume business. Um, that's what business I'm in. I'm more in the volume-based business for value add, where we get in, we make 10 grand, 20 grand, whatever per deal, and we keep churning. We do a lot of volume. As opposed to California, if you're in California, you know, and you're making 100 grand a deal, keep doing it if it's working. I think at the end of the day, it's like, what do you want the business to do for you? What do you want your life to look like? What does the structure look like? Uh, for me, I'm not looking to expand anything in my internal operation. We make a lot of money. We keep it simple. Um, I could make more, but I also could make a lot less. And I've tried to branch out, but you know, resources are very limited as you start expanding. You can start kind of beating yourself up. If you're in seven different markets, seven different market conditions, there's a lot of stuff, different laws, different rules, different product, different buyers, different sellers, there's just a lot of difference. So even though there's a lot of congruencies as well, but at the end of the day for me, it's not my stick. 
I like simplicity and uh, it works well for me. So I always say go deep, not wide in the industry. That's really, really good advice because uh, I, I was doing the opposite of that. I was all over the place and now I am seeing that, like you said, simplicity is better, especially if you're going to branch out and do more volume. I see so many people out there because it's so easy to get into real estate now with all these easy loans and you see it on TV and even if you make mistakes in some of the appreciating markets, you can turn around and figure out how to make a profit on it. But I see that a lot of those HGTV investors, as I call them, they're all going to be gone when the market turns and all the, the gurus and stuff out there, they're going to be running away too because they all started investing after the crash. And I don't think that they understand how to adjust for that where I'm in the boat like you of make the money, stockpile the money because some of the properties that people are overpaying 120% of asking price for today, two and a half years from now, you could probably get a 50 cents on the dollar and get more cash flow out of them. So I, I, you know, I always tell people it's very easy to get into real estate. It's not so easy to stay in real estate. And that's where I'm always trying to say, hey, I'd rather make less on it right now and have a safe deal and a safe model that's going to last. Like anything, though, it's easy to get in a relationship. It's hard to stay in it. <laughs> it's easy to get into jujitsu, but it's hard to stay in it long term. Like everything, it, for some reason, people say real estate, has, it, real estate to me is simply a product. It's, it's just like a bottle of water. It's easy to get in business, but it's hard to stay. It's hard to sustain because it's not the business. It's the individual, right? You know, a lot of, the reason a lot of people get in a lot of markets is more ego. They go to these masterminds like, yo, man, I'm in 14 markets. What does that mean? I don't even know what that means because when I hear it, I'm like, dude, you have a shitty life. You don't have anything going on. You're all over the place. You're on the phone 24-7. You have no life. I may be wrong, but my 99% of the nine, nine guys I know that done that market, industry, me included, you're, you, dude, you're just like drained of costs. Like you have, it's, it just sucks the wind out of you. As opposed to guys like, yeah, you know, I'm only in two markets. It's same old, same old. Like my business is boring. It's the same thing. It's simple. It's easy. There's always ups and downs a little bit, but there's also sustainability inside of that. You know, my key is like, you're going to have those ups and downs. How do you get it going on a more trajectory though? So at the end of the day, man, I, I think for some reason, real estate gets people all weird, but business is business. This is the individual that we're talking about. It has nothing to do with the industry, you know, self-awareness, being focused, being patient, doing the work. I mean, no one wants to do the work, man. <laughs> That's the truth. It is true. It is true. What, um, what's, what's some things that you do to, to keep yourself positive? And I'm sure obviously it's easy at this point because now you have things flowing, but on the days that stuff is just going wrong or there does seem to be a lot of demand on you or when things are just tough, like, mm -hmm. you know, is there anything you've learned to teach yourself to really just make sure you, you keep your head in the game and you keep yourself in the fight and don't really let the loads get you too low? Yeah, I mean, there's two th things. One, I already said, you know, like, oh, this is going to make a great chapter in a book one day, you know? Um, I've always said that. I, I've always believed that and then what I'm about to say. So this is something I really do believe. First of all, I don't think anything's thrown upon us that we can't handle, you know? So I always look at it as an opportunity of expansion. So I, if I was 18 years old, broke, but making 20 years old, making a lot of money, 22 almost being bankrupt, sitting in a one-bedroom apartment with no electric, no gas, reading a book with a candle, excited because I know this is just a moment in time. It's not forever. So a lot of times it's, you know, people get all stuck up in their mind. Oh, this is forever. This, you know, it's meant to be, it's meant to be, uh, I'm a loser. You know, I, I'm not really that guy. I'm, I'm more thinking, wow, the man upstairs has gifted me with this opportunity 
to really, really learn from it. So I never saw it as a step, a step back. I always saw it as a step, step back to get a step up. And, um, you know, this goes in training. Dude, like, it's like training. I'm, right now I'm trying to run a nine-minute mile, which is insane for me because I used to run them in six and a half. But, like, you know, I, yesterday I did a 10-minute 57. Set. I, I've done nine and a half, nine, ten, nine, whatever. Yesterday I did a 10.56. I literally could not breathe. My legs were cramped. I was, like, dead. And I kept going, right, because you got to keep going. That's the key. The secret is moving. And then today, like, literally I woke up. I was so focused. I did a 9.05 minute. I literally a minute and a half swing. That's a lot in a nine minute time frame. So to me, it's like, I think it's like, do you get discouraged or do you get excited? Yes, it sucks in the moment, but it's only temporary. You know, what's the alternative? I'm going to quit. I ain't quitting. You know, like I'm winning. So like, what is the other alternative? If you can give me a better alternative, I don't know. The only other alternative to me is just show up and win, spit in the life's face and say, I want to do it again. And then what's going to happen? You're going to do this for a couple months and you're going to get smacked again. You're going to do a couple, like, this is just what happens. So like I said, I've taught a lot of great people on many levels. And I had one guy uh, last week actually crying on the phone. The guy runs a $20 million business and he couldn't make payroll. And, um, you know, I connected with some people, helped him out or whatever. And he starts crying. He's like, dude, I've never been this stressed in my life. I was like, you know, it's funny. You told me that three months ago. Guess what you're going to tell me in three months from now? I've never been – because he's growing. You know, he, last year he was at eight, uh, uh, $13 million. This year he's at – you know, the last 12 months he'll be at $20 million, And he's growing. So there's different challenges, different moments. And, you know, he's not quitting. He's just, like, scared. And, like, how do you handle your emotions is a very big deal to this game. Very well said. Yeah, it is. It's just an emotional balance. And that's where I, I really liked what you said at the class about how you're not getting on every day with managers and contractors because them hemorrhaging their emotions on you every day just weighs you down. Like I, I had a, a property manager I fired this week because I was like, you know what? Like after hearing you talk, this doesn't feel good. And if this doesn't feel good, I don't want it anymore. So I fired her and then she gave out my personal phone number to all the tenants. So they started calling me and I was like, ah, but make an interesting chapter one day, right? That's, that's yeah, yeah. Look at it. Well, it, it's all data, not drama. Listen, I, you know, I, I'm an emotional person. I like everyone, kind of. That's kind of my. Well, I like everyone's positive. But you know, if you keep telling me it's done, it's not getting done, it's not getting done. I, I need to know why. And number two, or or whatever, like, oh, cells aren't working. Well, what's not working? I need the data. I don't need the drama. We all have drama. Give me the data. Let the data give us direction. Let the data take out the strip the emotion away, so we can focus on growth. I'm not trying to be right. I'm trying to help, you know, so I, with my knowledge and if they have knowledge, I want them to help. So the only way we can do that is not with what I think or she thinks. It's like, let's look at what the paperwork says and let's make a decision based off of data. That's so, so accurate, man. I love that. I can literally feel your energy through even the, even the computer, man. It's awesome. Like I, <laughs> that's the kind of stuff that I love though. Cause again, you know, you're, you're in a room with people that are making money, but you can feel like the anxiety and the stress of like, like, the 10 minutes that they're talking to me, they're worried that their business is falling apart. And you're just like, hey, man, it, it is what it is, you know, and I really <laughs> like that. And it's cool to see that you can, you can be successful, you can run a business, and obviously, you know, you don't have to let it wear you down every day, all day long. And, and that's really the point of being an entrepreneur is so you don't have to do that. And so I just, I really like what you put together, man. And a, a lot of your, your words and stuff have really inspired me this week to go home and just restructure everything. And it's probably been one of the most productive weeks I've had in years, just from hearing you give a couple of answers to stuff on stage that I was like, 
smacking myself over the head of, I don't want to come back and hear you talk again in three months and say, this is what he said three months ago and I didn't do anything with it, you know? And, and that, that's a big thing. Cause at the end of the day, good or bad, any of the decisions that I'm dealing with, I have to own because they're mine and I accept them, but I don't want to waste somebody's time like you to say, Hey, I want to pay to get your advice and then not take it. You know, I think that that's insulting to you and that's taking that stuff. So I appreciate it, man. And I, I really tried to take what you guys taught over that last week and put them into action. And it, it's been, it's been hard, but it's been worth it. It's been a really big growing week for me. And uh, I, I really, I want to thank you for that and appreciate it. You're welcome, man. I, I think at the end of the day, dude, like hard is where the opportunity is. Cause that's what you no, know, what most people are willing to go in and do. And if you're already successful in one area of your life, how do you carry that over into other parts of your life? You know, I think I saw something you had something on your hand, right? That probably hurt. That probably was hard. So, you know, but there will be growth from that. You'll figure out how to maybe, I don't know how it happened, but you'll figure out how to like avoid that and or minimize that in the future. Just like when you hire and you have to fire. Okay, that doesn't feel good. Let's do this. Let's minimize it. We know there's, you're never not going to have to fire someone in your business. It's a part of life for the rest of your life if you're in business. So, but how do I minimize that? How do I structure where maybe it's not me doing it, it's the data doing it, right? So I, I try to strip, I'm because I told you I'm an emotional guy, so I try to strip the emotions out of it because I tend to like lean towards emotional pieces. Like, oh, it's cool, man. Just, I got the money. I'll pay you next week. No big deal. You know, as opposed to like, dude, the data is just not there. What should we do? You're right. I just can't do it. I got to go. You know, that, that takes it off of my plate. That makes me feel better. And not only that, it helps them, you know, it helps them move forward. Yeah, agree, man. I, uh, I always try and find black belts with anything I'm doing because I'm always saying, you know, those are the people that they've been through all the pains and the suffering, the black eyes and the bloody noses of whatever business it is. So I'm always trying to, like, I go into a new city. Who's the toughest guy in the city? Who's the highest right blank belt? I want to learn from that person. And, you know, same thing with businesses. I try and find black belts like yourself and just say, hey, you, you've earned that black belt. You've done it the wrong way. You've done it the right way. And you found out this is what works and this is what got you there. So that advice to me is huge of like literally learning from all the other people's experiences. And that's where I keep saying that I'm always trying to find people that no matter what they do, they're always bringing their best because how you handle the small things is how you handle the big things. And that's why I actually named the podcast, the A-Game podcast, because I don't care well, if I'm interviewing somebody who does real estate or boxing or a cleaning business or I don't care what it is. That person's always going to bring their A-Game. And because of that, they're going to be successful in whatever they do. And you, sir, sure. are somebody who always brings your A-game to stuff, and I, I appreciate the time. What are, um, what are some ways or some things that um, we can help promote some of the things that you're doing? I know you have books, you have websites, you, you have your mm -hmm. business. Um, you know, how can people find you? What are some things that you have going on? Yeah, no, man, listen, anybody ever have deals in Columbus, Ohio, or Cleveland, Ohio, we're always buying out there. Or if you want to buy there, hit us up. I can introduce you to someone on my team. Um, as well as, you know, Instagram's huge for me and Facebook, Mark Evans DM. You know, it's the best place to follow, see what I'm up to. I don't really have a lot of events scheduled this year. I've done two this year already. I do you know, I do some speaking engagements for buddies of mine that I'm trying to help, you know, just share the word with the right people. Um, they do all the work. I take all the credit kind of thing is really what I'm saying. Um, but at the end of the day, like, you know, follow me there. Say what's up. MarkEvansDM.com. I don't really update the site a whole lot because I'm so involved on the social side. It's just so fast and so easy. Um, but we do have a lot of cool stuff going on on the books. We have nine books out there. Uh, you get them at Amazon anywhere. 100% of the net profits go to charity, which is pretty cool. Um, so we're helping a lot of people. And, you know, that's a full circle giving effect that we have in our company and to myself. All this stuff starts with the leader. So 
it's always something passionate to me and I want to get back at it all the time. So that, those would be great places, man. I appreciate it, Nick. Yeah, definitely. And uh, what I'll do is uh, I'll actually post something online with um, all your links for your, for your books and your social media and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, okay. anything that, that I can do for you, man, I got a lot of value out of this. This helped me. And a lot of the stuff you give me over the last week has been huge for myself personally and professionally. So I, I really appreciate it, man. And if there's ever anything that I can do to give value back to you, you know, please don't hesitate to ask. I, I really want to help contribute, not just take, you know, because, uh, you know, I feel like it goes both ways, but uh, I can't thank you enough for your time, man. Anything else you want to, you want to add or talk about? No, man. The best way to give back to someone, you know, that's giving is to do the work. It's the best way to give back. It's the best. I swear to God, it's the best feeling in the world to see people actually take what you're sharing with them. Like you said, actually doing the work, even if it sucks, because it's like, you know, they're going to grow, you know, their life will change for the better. You know, they're going to make the impact that they really are seeking to make. And you know, things are just going to get bigger and better. So to me, I look at this as not as a Zoom call or podcast show. I look at this as like, you know, we're going to be looking back 40 years from now, looking back saying, dude, do you remember that time when I wasn't going to ask you to be on my show? Like to me, that's what I feel that's going to happen. I think there's great opportunity for all of us to just keep growing and expanding and never stop learning. More importantly, never stop implementing what you learn. Awesome, man. Well, you are definitely going to be an important chapter in my book and I appreciate your time, man. Awesome, man. I look forward to it. Thank you, buddy. Definitely, man. I'll shoot you a link for this, and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll let you know when it gets posted, and I'll put your stuff on there. But thanks, man. Enjoy your day, and I can't thank you enough for giving me the time. Awesome, man. Have a great day, man. Talk to you. Mark Evans.